Well, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 14. And we'll be looking at verse 2 tonight. Proverbs 14, verse 2. He who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is perverse in his ways despises him. One of the best things we can do for ourselves is to speak the truth to ourselves. Uh, This verse uh, shows us the root of our behavior, that which lies below the surface. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And this verse we're looking at tonight does just that. It discerns and exposes what lies in the heart. Uh, Many pretend great respect and reverence for God, and they make an outward show of uh, religious respect, but their conduct reveals something else, that something's wrong at the very root. Uh, There's a hidden rottenness inside of them. They'll serve the Lord inasmuch as it seems convenient for them and and inasmuch as it suits their own purposes. But that's as far as it goes. When serving God requires self-denial, when serving God requires sacrifice and effort, they devise some excuse to get around it. Uh, They are perverse in their ways. And this exposes the truth that in reality they despise God. Now, when we sin... A good question to ask ourselves is this. If I really feared God and reverenced him, would I have done what I just did? I think that gets to the heart of the matter. Um, and uh, uh, doesn't, uh, uh, you know, ask yourself, uh, when I sin, doesn't that reveal uh, a disrespect for God himself? And, and, and we should ask ourselves, do I despise God? But sin is deceitful, and we want to think, I I don't despise God. I just decided to ignore his law and to do my own thing against his law. But I really do fear God. Uh, No, we need to be honest with ourselves. Our sin is a despising of our maker and our redeemer. And um, and think of, it's a shocking thing to think, really, to admit that. I I just despise God. Uh, Think about that. Doesn't that sound worse than... I've just sinned. I've despised God. To associate our sin with despising God is indeed shocking. Uh, Who among us wants to be known as one who despises God? Uh, Surely uh, it would only be the most hardened of sinners that would admit such a thing, that that they despise God. But we need to be honest with ourselves. Sin is a despising of God's person, not just a breaking of his law. And, um, uh, you know, one thing that I noticed years ago as I was studying systematic theology and delving into the the depths of who God is and what God is like, I remember there was times when I was just filled with awe thinking about the the, the majesty of God, contemplating on the being of of God. Um, And occasionally I'd have to put my book down and just just reverence and worship God. And, And if I could just stay in that condition... I would just keep my mind in that um, state of reverence and awe for God. I've thought, 
wouldn't I be a holier man? Wouldn't I sin less if I could keep myself in that frame of mind, that true reverence? Um, but sadly, that's not in accordance with our depraved nature to stay there, is it? Our depraved nature despises God, and this is a struggle of all the redeemed. We need to rise above our nature and to reverence and to fear God as we ought, even when we don't sometimes feel like it. And the more we train our minds, or as the Holy Spirit tells us in Romans 12 too, the more we're transformed by the renewing of our minds, the more than we will do that good and acceptable and perfect will of God as our minds are renewed. Well, it says, whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord. It isn't whoever sings the loudest in church or whoever shows the greatest emotion when they talk about their testimony or whoever is the most orthodox in his views, but rather it's he who walks in his up, in, in uprightness. This is the one that shows the respect and, and honor that God deserves. Um, and this dovetails well with the teaching of the New Testament. If you consider uh, a couple of New Testament passages, We'll turn to one, but uh, I'll just mention the first one, uh, James 1.22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Now, here's a problem that is epidemic in the professing church. We have a lot of hearers, but not many doers. Uh, but this passage in James tells us that if you hear, but you don't do, you're deceiving yourself. And it's a very grand deception to be deceived about the state of one's own soul. This is the worst deception that we can possibly have. But I'm afraid, really, that there are literally millions of professing Christians in our country that are in this category. Uh, hearers, but not doers. They don't really fear God. They actually despise what God, but you never know it by hearing them talk. They sit in church. They sing the hymns. They thank the preacher for the good message. But away from all that, in their private life, they're living in scandalous sin. But if they'd reflect upon this verse, they'd be undeceived about the true state of their soul. Um, he who walks in uprightness is the one who fears the Lord. Uh, now, the one I'd like you to turn to is in Matthew 7, uh, uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. We've, we've, we've been here fairly recently, but I just want to mention a couple things. Um, in this passage that you've heard before, I know, but on the Sermon on the Mount, he warns about, he warns about just this person that's a hearer, but not a doer. Um, and um, I want to go over this familiar text uh, one more time. Matthew 7:21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, um, you see, this is a group of people who have flattered themselves. They've talked themselves into thinking that all is well. But they were deceived about the state of their souls. They did religious works. They did other works. They did good things. But the summary of their lives, as Jesus sums it up, is that they were those who practiced lawlessness. They actually despised God, 
And they proved it by the way they disregarded his commandments. Now, uh, uh, when uh, last time I was at the Rockford Rescue Mission, uh, a young man came up to me, and um, or, or I think Gordon already had him in conversation, and uh, I entered in the conversation with Gordon and him. But he was a young man that he asked me, he said, well, now, if what you're preaching is true, because I preach, you know, free grace and the offer of the gospel is free grace and, and not of works. And he said, well, if what you're saying is true, then I, um, I can, as long as I believe in Jesus, I can just live any way I want. I can sin all I want. And, uh, and I said, well, no, you can't. He said, well, that's what you just said. And, and so we had a, uh, an interesting conversation. But I explained to him that that's, uh, that's uh, uh, a violation of the, the nature of salvation. And, uh, and so I, I took him to a, a passage or two to, to show him that. And he, he seemed to be satisfied that you can't be a Christian and live in sin, that sort of thing. Once I showed him these passages, I think it was First Corinthians chapter 6 there where Paul says, don't be deceived. Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he goes through that uh, that uh, uh, teaching that he has there on uh, uh, these sins that people practice. And he said, but such were some of you. And I think that was the thing that helped him to see that. But, but the thing of it is, though, I appreciated his honesty because I know that I preach to a lot of people that way. Uh, and... Uh, and that they've they've uh, they've made a profession of faith. They've 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 prayed the prayer, the sinner's prayer, supposedly. But they've not really the grace of God has not really worked in their heart. That the true nature of salvation, that regeneration, which changes a person's heart and makes them want to please God, that had never that has never occurred in them. And so, and so they don't have a love for righteousness or a reverence for God. They really still despise God in their hearts. And that's why in the next verse, Jesus goes in, in verse 24, he says, uh, uh, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. Now, now you need to take note that the word therefore, as this verse, as this, uh, as this section begins, this therefore ties it with what he's just said. Therefore, based on what he's just said, uh, he who hears these uh, sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken him to a man who built his house on a rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. So that's a very familiar teaching of Christ. Um, and in the, in the building trade, it's unthinkable for somebody to start laying down the, the floor and, the, and erecting the walls just on the dirt. You see somebody doing that, you say, there's something wrong with this guy. You know it's not going to work out. And uh, uh, we think, uh, what a fool. Well, there's no way for a house like that to stand for long, but that is an apt illustration of many who claim devotion to Christ and yet purposefully, uh, willfully disregard God's laws and commandments. Uh, and this, as I said, this is an epidemic, especially amongst our younger generation. They, they, uh, they're living in sin and uh, all kinds of debauchery, and yet 
they think everything is fine with them. Uh, here's how it's done in our day so often, though. It's the, it's the false doctrine we commonly call easy believism, and it works like this. Um, uh, they say, well, accept Christ into your heart and life, but they don't call them to repent of their sins. They don't, they don't, they don't demand that they, that they deal with the, with the sin problem. And they teach that it's not necessary to be a disciple so long as you pray this prayer accepting Jesus. This is very, very common. And many of these false teachers will teach that if you said this prayer, that even if you later on deny him, you're still, you will still be saved. Um, and that you can live a lawless lifestyle and still enter heaven when you die. You just won't have the rewards. Um, they teach of a faith that does not save. As James says, um, uh, elsewhere in, in the book of James, uh, he, says, uh, he says, can that kind of faith save? That kind of faith that has, that has a, a belief in God without a corresponding lifestyle, a cor- corresponding change into um, one who uh, desires to do good works. Um, and uh, and it, 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 like I say, it's, it's common. Now, here's some thoughts from the old divines that I gleaned out of my commentaries on this uh, text we're looking at tonight in Proverbs. Um, Charles Bridges says, This grace in the heart is the spring of the upright walk. The proof that we believe the reality of religion is that we walk in the power of it, not saints in our prayers and worldlings in our conduct. George Lawson says this, he says, The good man not only receives Christ, but walks in him. He not only enters in at the straight gate, but he continues traveling in the narrow way till he comes to the end of his faith and holiness in the heavenly world. Upright walking, in other words, upright living, is a sure and true evidence of the fear of the Lord. For that fear consists in a deep impression of God's excellence and of his authority And by this, we're inclined to stay away from what God forbids, however pleasing those things may be to the flesh, and to walk before him in those things that please him. You see, what Lawson is saying is that that a true fear and reverence for God motivates us to obey God and to turn away from evil. But there was much hypocrisy in his day, too. And then he goes on to say, quote, Lawson again, he says, Men of corrupt minds and perverse behavior may speak much to the praise of God and profess a high veneration for him. But they're so far from fearing the Lord that they despise him. Every willful sin is a plain proof. They they disregard his authority and defy his vengeance, insult his patience, and turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness, that means lustfulness or lewdness. And he goes on to say that such, such behavior really contains, quoting him again, contains in it a downright contempt for God. Uh, Matthew Henry says this, he said, In this, more than in anything, sin appears exceedingly sinful, that it despises God whom angels adore. Those that despise God's precepts and will not be ruled by them despise God himself and all his attributes. So I think there are really two very practical things that we can see in this passage tonight. First, it should take away security, all security from the hypocrite. The first step in helping a hypocrite 
is to help him, help him to see his hypocrisy. Uh, the only way to get somebody saved is they, first of all, you got to get them lost. You've got to see that they're lost. And getting a hypocrite to see that he's lost is a monumental task. The deception that sin brings is strong. And it's not easily defeated. So God says these things in passages like what we've just looked at in, in Matthew 7 and James in James chapter 1. And, and uh, uh, they're very clear and easy to understand. You know, Mark Twain said that it wasn't the difficult and the hard passages that troubled him. He said the ones that trouble him are the ones that are easy to understand. And um, and 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 it, it, it's the clear ones. And, and here we have very clear passages. God doesn't flatter us and deceive us. It's the devil that does that. Uh, the devil in our own sinful hearts complicate things in order to lead us astray. But God makes all the most important truths so simple that a child can understand them. And that's think something to understand about about the Bible. Yeah, there are difficult things in the Bible, but the things that are the most important for us to to know about are actually very, very simple. A simple truth of God's Word. You are evil. Uh, Your your soul is lost without Christ. You need a Savior. Uh, But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. These are simple, aren't they? Um, uh, we need to be born again. You must be born again. And you need to repent of your sins. And you need to learn to walk in newness of life. Uh, you learn to put off the old man and put on the new man. Uh, you'll not reach sinless perfection in this life. But you'll be battling it all of your life. And you'll no longer be known as one who practices lawlessness, but one who practices righteousness. But you struggle with sin as well. These are plain and simple truths in the scripture. Um, and this verse uh, that we're looking at tonight in Proverbs is plain and simple. He who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord. And he who is perverse or devious in his ways despises him. So we should let the shock and the sharpness of these words break down these stubborn walls of hypocrisy in anyone listening to this message tonight. If you're here and you're a hypocrite, you should that should that should strike you deep. But may God use that to bring true salvation to a person like that. So this verse is very useful in that way, but it's also useful to the true Christian. This verse for the Christian should help us to repent more deeply and with more humility. Uh, for us that truly do love the Lord, how this should make us mourn over our sin when we reflect upon the idea that our sin reveals the awful truth of our own deep-down disrespect for God in our own hearts. Uh, this causes me pain to think that I, who am dedicated to God's glory and desire to, to please God, I also have within me that which despises God as well. How can this be? In James chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, and speaking of the sins of the tongue, he says, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive trees, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. And there, of course, he's talking about the tongue, which we, with, uh, he says, therewith uh, bless we God, uh, even our Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made out of the image of God. 
made in the image of God. And he says, uh, and that's how he applies it. But it's true also in the Christian life, isn't it? From our lives spring, uh, spring forth both uh, sweet water and, and, and bitter water. Uh, and, uh, and that's a sad truth. And, and so here we are. And we're Christians, but we sin. Uh, and when we sin, this, this verse causes us to humble ourselves. And hang our head and admit that we don't really honor God as we profess and as we sing and as we speak. But our sin reveals a despising of the very one that loved us and gave himself for us. It's, uh, it's, it's a sad truth of it. So what should this do? Well, it should away with spiritual pride, shouldn't it? When we consider this in our own hearts, it should, it should take away our, our spiritual pride. Uh, do you think highly of yourself? Well, don't think highly of yourself when you've read a verse like this. I, I want this verse uh, to teach us to walk humbly before our God, to be gracious to others, and to not judge them as being beneath us. Uh, and may it cause us to, to not just hate the act of sin or even the thought of sin, but may we especially hate the corrupt fountain within us that produced the sin in the first place. Uh, we need to see ourselves for what we really are and not for what we flatter ourselves to be. As far as I'm concerned, it, it, it definitely humbles me and makes me you know, realize I've still got a long ways to go. You know, I've got a long ways to go before I can really say I'm one who really honors God, who really fears God. So, which of these verses apply to you? Uh, uh, are you the hypocrite that needs to repent and and be an awaked out of your uh, dangerous condition? Then you need to flee to Christ. You need to confess it to Him. And if that's what you assess yourself as tonight, uh, don't let this message discourage you, but may it encourage you to to run to Christ and to, to admit it all to him and say, Lord, I, I know that I, uh, I, I'm not what I profess to be. And I think we can all say that to one extent or another. But, uh, but he, his, his invitations to come to him are still true. He that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. There is forgiveness with him. And if you're a Christian that's struggling with sin, and, and that would be all of us to one degree or another, wouldn't it? Uh, well, then let this truth that's taught here enter deep within our hearts and bring out a deeper repentance than it ever has before. Um, and I was just I was just talking with this uh, about this very concept today with uh, the men in my NAFCO Bible study and, and uh, talking about how uh, what the true nature of salvation really is, because uh, because I know that in some of their churches, they they get confused by this. And we were talking about. Things like the altar call system and how it uh, so many people that uh, come to Christ through that system get very confused about uh, their, the nature of conversion. You know, there are there's some preachers that do altar calls and they do them well and and they do them uh, carefully. You know, I say they do them well. I don't think there's a good one because I don't believe in them. But I mean, they do them in such a way that they try to make sure that people understand you're not getting saved by coming up here. But I've been in churches where they do that, though, too. They do make it sound like, if you want to be saved, you need to come down here to this altar, which is not an altar, of course. And uh, But what does that do with people? It makes them think that, oh, well, it's something that I've done. 
And they, they remember their salvation that way. I came to Christ. I walked the aisle. I remember doing that. I, I shook the preacher's hand and we prayed together. And that's when I got saved. But that can deceive people because the, 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 the change in the person's heart is what, is what indicates their salvation, not, not some act that they've done. And, um, and we had a really lively discussion there uh, over that in the NAFCO Bible study today, and it was helpful to some of them. But uh, just to understand the true nature of salvation, like I said, no, let's just pretend there's an altar call and the preacher's calling on people to come forward. And a person makes a decision that, okay, I, I need to get saved, and so I'm gonna, I need to surrender my life to Christ, and I need to, I need to come forward. And, and, uh, and so, so the question is, now when is that person saved? Does he have to get all the way forward before he gets saved? Does it, when he gets down on his knees and he prays, is that when he gets saved? When is he actually transported from darkness into light? And so we had a, you know, it made some of them think about that. Say, well, and one of the men said, well, no, it's it's before he even got out of his chair. He decided to, to give his life to Christ. He said, exactly right. He didn't need to walk down the aisle in order to in order to do that. So the true nature of salvation, understanding that and understanding what that does to us, it puts a reverence in our hearts. It puts a uh, it puts a, an exaltation of God in our minds. Before I was a believer, I didn't exalt God in my mind. I mean, you know, but but the more you you know God, and the more you draw closer to God, and the and the grander God is to us, then the more of a serious matter it is for us to transgress His laws. We consider that the majesty of God and what we're sinning against, and then realize that wait a minute, I'm I'm despising God if I don't if I don't obey Him. So anyway, I hope this is uh, helpful to you. It's a little shorter lesson tonight, but I don't want to go on to the next verse. Uh, so we'll, we'll end here. Let's pray.